Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 181. As always, I'm joined by Dom. I'll have a corona. Hold the virus. Oh, God. Uh, and for the first time in what seems like forever, Logan Moore. Hi. I've not died of the plague yet. I'm still around. <laughs> I just haven't been on this program in a while. Not yet. Uh, well, just to let you know, we, we, I talked to you about it a little bit before the podcast, but Jordan's now gone, so it's just me and Dom now. You're going to have to deal with us, too. Uh, he, he got the virus, Jordan. <laughs> no, no, no that's kidding. a bad joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's just now two of us. Uh, is it fine to still say Dual Shocker's own Logan Moore? Yeah, that's still where I'm at right now. Still where I'm doing all my stuff. So. Doing all the stuff. Yeah, so if uh, listeners out there, if you haven't been paying attention, some rather large news happened this week. Uh, Logan, when you were when you and I were uh, scheduling for you to be on, it was like, oh, what a what a week. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I haven't yeah. done a I haven't done a gaming podcast in uh, a very long time, and then the week I choose to come on one, it seems like everything's popping off. So, so normally we'd go through the rundown of some smaller news stories, but because of what has happened this week, we're going to start off with. Uh, the topic of the show, which is E3 2020 is officially canceled. Uh, this is kind of something that was in the rumblings for quite a while, obviously with the coronavirus uh, making its way through the United States at this point. We were seeing many large events, South by Southwest. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con hasn't been officially canceled yet, right? It'll most likely be. There's um, like two conventions that I think they run, and they canceled one of them, but San Diego I think is still alive is what I read today. Yeah, uh, you know, musical artists are canceling or postponing their tours. The NBA is postponed. A lot of stuff's happening. So uh, it was interesting. Before the ESA made an official announcement, <laughs> Devolver Digital came out and said, like, hey, cancel your flights and, uh, you know, don't plan on going to E3 anytime soon, kind of letting the cat out of the bag that it was going to be canceled uh, before e the ESA made their official announcement, which was scheduled to be at around – I think 9.30, but they didn't give uh, an actual time zone, so people didn't know when it was going to happen. But they did eventually give out their specific statement, and it reads as the following. Following increased and overwhelming concerns about the COVID-19 virus, we felt this was the best way to proceed during such an unprecedented global situation. We are very disappointed that we are unable to hold this event for our fans and supporters, but we know it's the right decision based on the information we have today. So I'm going to go through some more information regarding the cancellation of E3 in 2020, and I'm going to want to tackle it with you guys in two different ways. First, I want to talk about the immediate impact it has on both the publishers and E3 as an event, right? And then the second part of the conversation I want to talk to you guys about is the future of E3, right? In the years ahead, what will this mean in relation to the event and these publishers moving towards more digital style things uh, immediately right in 2020. So they went on to say that they were exploring options with their members to coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June of 2020. They went on to say that they were confirming that E3 2021 will move ahead as a reimagined event that brings fans, media, and the industry together in a showcase that celebrates the global video game industry. So I guess we can start there. E3 is canceled. We were hearing rumblings that it was going to be some very weird activation-centric event with celebrities and you know Snoop Dogg and Zac Efron uh, out there playing video games. 
and Jeff Keeley said he was no longer going to be a part of it. Uh, a week and a half ago, I am 8-Bit were originally going to be producing the show, uh, at least the show floor, right, from a design perspective at least, and they pulled out as well. And people were wondering why this was happening, right? Jeff Keeley's been telling us every E3, why would producers of a show pull out last second like that? It was very odd. I just want to know from you guys, A, was this the right call, which seems like an easy answer at this point, and B, do you think maybe the E3 as an event in the ESA dodged a bullet because they won't have to let people see what this weird mishmash event was going to be? That's a, that's a good second question. Um, but I mean, as a, you know, a biologist and a scientist and a health uh, industry expert (laughs) now, I am none of those things, (laughs) but yeah, it seems like he had to cancel it. Right. Just to keep the fires from spreading. I don't know. It sucks for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it seems like that's the obvious and only call you can make at this point. Um, I don't remember reading too much about this, uh, this, uh, potential, uh, weird Activision style E3 that, that we missed, <laughs> but it sounds like not something that would have been my taste. Um, but yeah. yeah. What about you, Logan? Uh, you, you went to E3 last year, right? I have been three, three years in a row. I went 2017, 18 and 19. So I've been the past few years. Yeah. So were you, pl- so were you planning to go this year? And also, what do you think about that second question I asked? Like, do you think the ESA dodged a bullet because it seemed like it was going to be a pretty weird event this year, even if it did take place? I don't know if they dodged a bullet because, uh, like, now that it's not happening at all and publishers are, I mean, we'll talk about this in a second, but a lot of publishers have already announced plans to do their own thing in time. Uh, A couple of them have already spoken up and said they'll be doing digital events and things like that. Uh, So... If those go well and they see that the return on investment on simple digital events like that is exactly the same as it was for when they held press conferences and things like that at E3, then the publishers might decide they don't need E3 because it's just a huge waste of millions of dollars for them to put that show, for them to show up there every year. Uh, So in that regard, I think this might be really bad for the ESA, but it's really weird because I think it's like a two-pronged thing. I think it could be really bad for all those reasons, but at the same time, I think if it's the total opposite, if the publishers feel like they didn't get enough eyes on their games this year, the marketing and sales behind their products that they're trying to push out over the next year, if they don't feel like they generated enough hype or got enough eyes on it, then they're going to think that E3 is even like 10 times more valuable than it was before. Um, And that's kind of the state we're in right now, it feels like, where everybody is saying that E3 doesn't matter and no one needs E3 anymore, but I'm not really certain about that, to be completely honest, because the eyes that the unique viewership, the unique number of eyes that are on E3 every year when it happens, I think is like unlike anything else in any other industry. Like I can't think of any comparison in the film industry or uh, TV or anything like that where like people, everybody's eyes are turned towards one event where every company in a certain industry is there. And I think that's why E3 is still special. Um, even though some people have started to drop out, obviously. Um, so yeah, don't I think- don't know. Sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to hop in here and say that, you know, there's a lot of people who bash E3 and bash e- the SA for the way they've handled it, which is completely correct. They've ha- handled it poorly. They're terrible yeah. at, at organizing it and, you know, having it be a functional event where they don't um, put, you know, the security and personal information of their attendees at risk. Yeah, I know, but I know about that firsthand. <laughs> so. In the same sense, 
it is the the event itself is very important. I think both those statements can be true, right? Like you can want the ESA to evolve the show and make it a better place where publishers want to be and consumers want to be and have it work for everyone in the way Gamescom does. While at the same time saying like, hey, this event is important to the industry. We don't want to quickly let it just go and evaporate into nothing, right? And I guess there's another thing here, another thread of, you know, Jeff Keighley's really good at having events go on, right? He does Game Awards. He did the opening night live for Gamescom last year. And the question is, if E3 does disappear, right, I think Jeff Keighley is somebody who has enough experience in the industry to understand how special that week is. And I wonder if he could bring something out from the ashes in its place to have this week-long celebration of video games, right? Um, it's it's very odd because, as we'll get into here momentarily, there are a couple of publishers who have already announced that they're doing digital stuff. The way the ESA worded it, if they want to coordinate with their members, to, my immediate thought is they want to have an E3-branded digital week-long event, right? Where maybe they work with these partners to still have their presentations go up on a certain day of the week and it's just branded like then it's all digital right and you still have the scheduling people know when to tune in but on the opposite end of that why should why should publishers have to agree yeah. to that or want to agree yeah. to that when they can pick their own timeline have a whole week to themselves right it's going to be it's going to be a tough conversation for the esa to have with these partners because some of them will want to do their own thing because they are big enough and some of them maybe don't want to have to worry about handling all of that stuff on their own and feel it's their best interest to be involved with whatever the ESA is organizing. Right. Yeah. It's going to be tough to see where all of them, the the flags are planted. Sorry. It's interesting to me because like, it's funny to see that the ESA now wants in on some sort of digital space for these press conferences (laughs) and these events, because they've like, it's, it's like for people who are at home and have maybe never gone to E3, like the ESA is not actively involved really with any of those press conferences that happen. Like the publishers themselves just decide to, do it in proximity to the event and so they are quote-unquote e3 press conferences but they're actually not involved with the convention itself whatsoever e3 as an entity is only the tuesday to thursday or yeah the tuesday to thursday convention that happens each year and that is the part of it like if you're if you're at home and you've been watching the e3 conferences from your living room for the past few years and you're like oh well it seems normal like normal every like it's been every year for me why is everybody bashing e3 it's because the convention side of it is what has taken a nosedive the past few years and people are way way less way fewer people are going uh the show doesn't know what it wants to be like it e3 is historically an industry show and they're trying to get fans to show up but there's also no onus for fans to show up because if fans show up they have to wait in four hour long lines to see a demo of a game that will be out in five months so there's like really no reason for fans to be there. It, the convention itself part of it is losing its identity, and that is what everybody has been bailing on. Is like the convention part of it itself is not great anymore. So, so now for, that the convention is not there, it's funny to see the ESA be like, "Oh well, we'll jump onto the press conference bandwagon and try to do things with <laughs> these our publishing partners or whatever." So that's yeah. the question I wanted to ask you. I guess was like, <clears throat> without the convention, like say the convention part of it kind of ceases to exist. I mean, what does the ESA have? I mean, what you know, what Nothing, what do they have really? to offer? Right? Nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said maybe Jeff Keeley could come in and work something like. He, they had that thing too where he set it up. Oh, I don't know if him specifically, but he promoted it the whole demo thing. Remember when there was like I think it was for Opening Night Live. I uh, when yeah, there was like a, that a host was, of demos. Yeah, I think they did that for or for the Game Awards too recently. 
Yeah. Like my, so if I, you know, if they're like, Hey, Jared, you're the creative director. You get to handle things moving forward. How do you situate everything? If you want to make it both an industry event and a consumer product, first of all, from what I've heard, the LA convention center is way too small to host the number of consumers that would be needed in order to have the demo stations, everything to be similar to Gamescom, right? Just way too small. And so they have to move locations first of all. And second, I think the ESA has shown a lack of uh, leadership and intelligence in making the moves that it needs to to make E3 an event that all the publishers want to be a part of, even if it is having demos on the show floor. Like you said, Microsoft isn't actually at uh, E3 at all, even their demos, because they do it at the Microsoft Theater across the street. Yeah. EA does it off-site. Like, uh, last year was the biggest glaring hole in E3, it seemed like, because there was a whole section of the convention center that looked like a graveyard, right? And a lot of the other booths used to be taken up by publishers were filled with, like, weird T-shirt vendors and, you know, all of that nerdy geek culture stuff that, like, it it fits partially, but not really, because it is still the in-between event where it's not super consumer-friendly, and they're trying to do that, so they're taking away from the industry days as well. It's like... It's a big old hodgepodge mess. Um, and I do think it needs to evolve. Whether that means the ESA is no longer involved and Jeff Keighley or somebody else has it happen, or they themselves fix things, which they've shown uh, a lack of potential to do so, but who knows, maybe the extra year of planning could fix that. I don't know. But I wanted to hop into these publishers who have stated they're doing something in lieu of this, because if you guys have forgotten, we're supposed to have two next-gen consoles released this year. So uh, not having an E3 is pretty uh, pretty substantial. Yeah, so first one, off... We know very so, little about still. Which is like, exactly. Starting hey, to man. get like, hey, Sony, you guys are doing this still? Like, like, we hear about it sometime soon? The beauty of it, man, is that the Wired.com articles, their interviews can still happen over a digital space. You know, they don't need to travel to get those articles up. Uh, that's a joke for anybody listening that the only information we've had really is through those Wired articles. Uh, anyways, so since the announcement, both Ubisoft and Xbox have announced plans for digital events. First up was our boy Phil Spencer over at Xbox. He tweeted out, E3 has always been an important moment for Team Xbox. Given the decision, this year we'll celebrate the next generation of gaming with the Xbox community and all who love to play via an Xbox digital event. Details on timing and more in the coming weeks. So... This is huge because normally they host an in-person press conference where people go on stage and then they run videos, right? So with a digital event, they kind of need to change up the pace and the writing and everything of it because it's going to be similar to a direct now where Phil's likely going to be in front of a green screen uh, like Reggie has always been for Nintendo and they're going to be delivering announcements, right? Or at least we assume that it's going to be a similar format, just digital and not in a physical space. Um, this isn't surprising. I obviously assumed that they were going to do something on their own, no matter what they have a console launching this year. Uh, I'm interested to hear from you two. Do you think Xbox would be willing to work with the ESA in terms of timing of their digital event, right? Having it around that same time, or do you think that they just completely, move to the beat of their own drum and figure out a space for themselves. I think they do their own thing. They're just going to come out like, and, you know, put their thing on the table of like, yep, we're having our, our, uh, stream of whatever on this day and time. And, uh, probably they will be one of the first ones to say that. And then just be like, yeah, that's when we're doing it. And then from there, I feel like 
a lot of the, like the coordination kind of like work itself out where then like well bethesda is going to do the same thing but they're obviously not going to do it at the same time as microsoft um uh, and they might even like sometimes there's collaboration types of things with those too right um but then yeah i think that people would just start to kind of fill in when they want to do their own events i think yeah naturally the, happen the thing we're not taking into account here too and before we get into your your opinion on this logan i want to say the ubisoft thing and then you can give your thoughts on both of them um so ubisoft had a an image that they released and it basically said you know we're taking care of the health of our employees yada 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 um they're really important pr messaging and then at the end they said we're exploring other options for a digital experience that will allow us to share all the exciting news we have planned stay tuned for more so along with your opinions on them doing these digital events and whether they work with the esa or not logan i want to know from you one thing we've left out in conversation is oftentimes with these presentations happening within the same week we'll get microsoft showing up a ubisoft title and then seeing that title uh later you know in the coming days on ubisoft stage right how is mm-hmm. that going to work you think this year are they still going to try to you know, is, is Ubisoft going to try to be near Xbox so that way those things flow as they normally did? Or do you think it's completely off the table? It's going to be so different this year because of the cancellation. It's hard to say because, like, I don't think a lot of these publishers have those answers in real time right now. So I think yeah, right. obviously a lot yeah. of them are <laughs> trying to figure that out, ask those same questions behind closed doors right now, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> I think the one important thing to mention, I, I guess, as far as, like, whether or not these publishers are still going to hold events in proximity to this E3 digital event thing, whatever, that that ESA clearly wants to hold of some sort. (laughs) Um, A lot of these publishers, uh, I'm pretty certain, like, the key heads of these publishers are also on the board of directors at the ESA, so they kind of have a vested Uh interest in E3 to a certain degree. Even PlayStation still does, though. Like, PlayStation has not come the past two years, but I'm pretty sure previously Sean Layden was, like, on some sort of ESA board. Or, it, it might not be the board of directors, but there's some sort of board that the ESA has, and it's comprised of a lot of major faces from around the video game industry. I think Phil Spencer's on it. I think I think Doug Bowser might be on it, too. Um, anyway, bottom line. Uh, so a lot of these companies do have some sort of stake and whatever the ESA is doing, if the ESA asks them to do that and they want the ESA to keep thriving and they think that is a good organization they want to keep working with, I could see them all trying to play ball to the best of their ability and lining things up in some sort of orderly fashion in one given week this coming summer. Um, yeah, I could see that happening. Um, again, do they need to? Do, I guess the larger question, do they need to? No, I think it'd be better if they held individual events of some sort. But um I don't know. But, there, yeah, is, part, there is something to be said about people sitting down for like a single day to be like, all I'm doing today is watching press conferences. And you have the sole attention of everybody who decides to skip work or whatever for that day to just watch video game news come through. <laughs> Drip through um, the, the mainline feed in their arm. Uh, Man, I feel like that's like lately. I mean, I'm trying to remember back to last year. Maybe one of the days there was two in a day. But most Microsoft most Bethesda part, like, was Sunday. That's two, and then UB and uh, UB somebody and UB go on the same. UB and Nintendo, right? Go on the same day, maybe. Okay. I mean that right? No, Nintendo it's UB and PlayStation. Right? Yeah. It's usually PlayStation and UB. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you get two per day usually, but that's, I mean, without you know going into working hours for most people to get. So that's that's still pretty close to, well, yeah, watching video game stuff all day. 
Well, the thing too, you have to, to realize is that those last couple of days is there's no conferences because everybody's out on the floor getting their impressions right. and playing the stuff. So without that happening, there could be potential for one a day for a whole week, right? And kind of string it out. So you get one every day. Um, to your point, Logan, there is a thing with, you know, tradition, right? And people are having this conversation of, well, they don't need to do it. Obviously they don't need to do it. They haven't had to do it in the past couple of years. But I do think some of these publishers, like you said, have a vested interest. So if they're willing to do their own digital thing, but hey, we need it on this day, I think they're they're gonna be more open than people assume because there's this idea that, oh, now that we have a chance to schedule whenever we want, we wanna find our own place in the calendar. I don't think they'd be that opposed to just being like, yeah, we'll go on Sunday. Some people will go after us, but we still have enough of a news cycle for us that it's worked in years past, right? So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. A weird thing that happened is we know all the traditional conferences that take place every year, you know, but there was one that might have taken place that is no longer going to, and that's WB Games. So Jason Schreier dropped this Twitter bomb after the aftermath of everything had landed on Twitter. He stated, quote, more news from me. Warner Brothers Games was planning to do an E3 press conference this year for the first time to talk about Batman, Harry Potter, and Rocksteady's game, among others. Remains to be seen what they'll do now. This is kind of disappointing because people have been wondering where the hell WB Montreal has been at with their Batman teases, right? Harry Potter, that game was leaked years ago at this point. Where is that? Rocksteady. This would have been a really cool press conference. I'm still unclear if they would have had an... I mean, having Batman and Harry Potter and Rocksteady as a game, I think, is enough for a conference. You can fill in with a bunch of other random crap, right? And it works. Um, Aren't they publishing Cyberpunk in the United States as well? So they could feature that ooh, there if they wanted to. True, to yeah. And then if they're doing other, some other, like, random Lord of the Rings stuff or... Because they have Monolith, right? Who does Lord they of the Rings Lego. games? They, they have, have Lego as well. Skywalker Saga game that's coming out, I think. Ooh, I'm pretty pumped for that, actually. I forgot about <clears> that. So... I think they'll just turn... Do you think they'll turn to a digital video as well? Because there's no point for them to just go piecemeal and give it to other... To, like, give it to Xbox, right? Or do you think... <sighs> With this information being out, it's tough because we don't know how they're going to respond to Jason kind of leaking this information, right? Of, like, hey, people know about it now. Then we should still move forward as we were planning to because what's the point of not doing that? Or do they get stubborn and be like, well, we technically don't need to show our cards early, Let's show maybe the Batman thing because that's the most anticipated. And though people know that this Harry Potter game, they're wondering where Rocksteady's game is, we can kind of hold off for the time being, you know? So instead of putting the resources into their own event, they'd be like, let's put Batman in the Microsoft, you know, Xbox digital conference or PlayStation's event or whatever and just ditch the whole idea of doing a conference, you know? What do you guys think? Do they move forward and do a digital Man. thing? I mean, it's it's already, it's already a week into March and, like, they've had to have been planning e3 stuff right like people getting... start playing e3 stuff like last like the previous fall i've been right like yeah october so... november is when they started well, phil phil tweeted it. like last month that they were running through um jesus my mind's escaping me uh when you practice Scripts? for like a play rehearsals rehearsals, rehearsals jesus yeah. christ yeah they were going through rehearsals last month and that's february right so but i guess like point being like even into like production stuff they've probably already started to you know get figured out like the cameras and whatever i don't know how much oh, creating assets and everything assets they need yeah yeah for right sure. so like and they've all had and they've had apparently had this plan for like their own conference their own thing and while it might it might not be a stage presentation anymore um 
I, I would hate to, I mean, it would just feel like shit if they had to like completely scrap all that and then just go piecemeal at other people's shows. I, I would imagine they would still try to do something themselves out of this, but I mean, I know so little about what it, it, it still seems like a short turnaround to be able to do that. I mean, again, it, it could be later in the year too. So Logan, because they're newer to this, right? Do you think they might be one of the people that the essay goes after of like, Hey, you're new to this. We can still facilitate the digital thing. We want to make you comfortable since you've never really done something like this. They seem like one of the publishers that would be most likely to at least communicate with the ESA for their digital scheduling, right? To me anyways, because they're so new to it. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, or they could be so new to it that they could <laughs> yeah, be like, true. we don't need <laughs> D3 at all. Like, yeah. why are you trying to get in on this now? Like, we've never done this before. They said we don't have any sort of established pattern of doing this exactly need e3 so like we don't need to start doing that um i don't know i think i think the <clears throat> more interesting that thing long term and i know this is the next question you have coming up here on the notes of like how this folds in next year for e3 2021 because they said they want to have it but i think it'll be interesting to see the number of publishers that play ball with them here and do this digital week event of sorts that the that esa wants to do think that'll be really indicative of how many of them also want to play ball and come back to the convention proper next year assuming it can still be held i don't know if they have booked the la convention center again for the event or not or it, i who the heck knows if what is going on in the country right now um but yeah i think that'll be the more interesting thing to watch as we get closer to this actual may june window when things are probably going to start coming about maybe but again i I don't know, man. Like, with everything that's going on right now with the virus, I, I, like, are publishers and developers going to start, like, shutting down? Like, are they, like, what's going to be the deal with that? And is there even going to be a week where they're going to be able to show off digital showcase stuff? Or maybe they've shut down their companies for, maybe these companies will start shutting down and come June they will have been behind on work and they won't have anything to show. I don't know. This, this is all, yeah. that, that's all a way bigger p picture question is maybe a little bit fear mongering too, but uh, there's just a lot of uncertain things. And I, I, I was thinking right about now. that too, though, because even like transitioning to like a digital type event, uh, you know, for each of these company publishers, it's like that still takes a lot of work from people, you know, in an office and teams to put all that together which would be really difficult to do if everyone's working remotely or not working at all. Um, it, yeah, that's even even just going all digital. That's still a tough ask with uh, what apparently is going on. So that's a good well, point. I have like a larger. I don't know if, how deep we down the rabbit hole we want to go with this, and I don't know if this is something <laughs> we we're planning on talking about later. But like, how do you guys feel about the potential of like the new consoles releasing this year at this point? Cause if the economy takes a huge crap over the next few months, which it's already starting to do the prospect of these hardware manufacturers coming out and asking to charge the general public, what 500, $600 for new unneeded electronics later this year in the midst of potential like manufacturing issues and there's already been shortages of parts that they need for these boxes reportedly and supposedly they were going to maybe be a little bit more expensive because of that and then now like their manufacturing pipelines have been kind of messed up and shipping it, would be more challenging yeah there's a lot yeah, so, yeah. tariffs I'm have already optimistic. proven to be an issue i'm hopefully yeah. optimistic that they do still 
because they've planted their flags. And I think, I mean, moving it too will cost a bunch of money to these companies, right? Of changing, you know, distribution dates and all this stuff. I'm hopefully optimistic that they come out this year, but I would not be surprised if we get an announcement that they're delayed till, you know, the spring of next year. I doubt they would be delayed a full year. That seems kind of crazy to me. But yeah, I could totally see them moving towards the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter for 2021. It wouldn't surprise me at this point, but I'm not sold on that happening necessarily, you know? Yeah. If so. they do still come out this year, I think um, one thing we might see a lot of people do, again, this is just me totally spitballing at this point, but I think manufacturing numbers of the or units that they'll be able to ship around the world come later this year will probably be a lot more slim compared to the PS4 and Xbox One launches we had before. Yeah. And you might see companies go back to old school methods where they release these regionally. And that has not been something that people have... Like the PS4, I think, released in like the United States and Europe and a few other regions first, and then it came to Japan later. And the Xbox One, obviously they still all do staggered releases, but in the major markets like North America, Europe, and so on, like they have been coming out simultaneously around the world. Like it's been a long time since we've had, I mean, what, PS2 era where it felt like it was like Japan and then North America and then Europe, <laughs> Japan, and then, like Street Fighter stuff, and then Australia, and then yeah, it, it feels like it's been a long time since they've released staggered like that around the world. But I could also see that potentially being a thing that happens. Maybe to your pricing well. point, one thing that Xbox has going for it is its um, its plan where you can buy the console in like payments, right, installments. I forgot what the actual program's called, um, but you can like, you know, not buy the console outright and just make X amount of payments over the course of X amount of months, right? Like you do from like a, a rental shop or something. I forgot what the program's called. They launched it two years ago, and they recently, I think at the end of 2019, they did the thing where you can sign up for it for an Xbox One S, and then when the Series X comes out, all everything you've paid for that goes towards the Xbox Series X purchase. Um, man, the name is escaping the actual program. But that could be a way for people to jump into who don't want to pay the $500, $600 right if the the economy doesn't really recover from what's currently going on and continues to, you know, take a nosedive. Yeah. Real quick, this is completely irrelevant to the seriousness of everything that's going on. With this WB conference thing, I just want to know from you guys personally, if you could pick one of those three games to know more about, which one are you most interested in seeing more about? The Batman game from WB Montreal, the Harry Potter game, or the Rocksteady game? For me, it would be the Harry Potter game because that's the least known quantity of the three. We had that leaked video, but it's still unclear, A, who's developing that, and B, what exactly the game is in full. Batman, I can kind of understand what a Batman game from WB Montreal is going to be, right? And then with Rocksteady, I'm assuming it's going to be a DC game of some sort. So for me, it's Harry Potter. If I had to choose one of the three, I'm just curious what you guys would I'd choose. I'd say, I'd say Rocksteady for the same reason of like, I have no idea. I mean, if WB Montreal is doing a Batman game, um, who knows? I I feel like Rocksteady could be doing anything, right? Do we have like what's the latest rumor on on what they got going with? On? So with Jason Schreier in the <laughs> okay. thread, they also said that they were going to announce like their DC Games universe or something like that. Uh, Very okay. odd. Interesting. Yeah. Um, normally I default to Batman because I love that series, but uh, mm-hmm. with how they've been teasing that game, screw that whole <laughs> teaser cycle. I'm really yeah. over that whole thing. Like, I don't they like it either. To just, they needed to just reveal it by now. Like it's mm-hmm. border. It's they've teased something in early January. It's now March 12th with the day we're recording this. So no, they teased in September of last, last year. year. 
Yeah. They tease in September, but then they tease something. Then they tease something in January. Or? Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. I'm just saying the first tease. <laughs> so if the first tease was in January, the first tease was with the Batman Day stuff or the Batman uh, anniversary day or whatever. That was when they started teasing it. And then in yeah. January they revealed that like image that looked like they had things that were going to fill into certain holes or something. I don't for the know. factions. Yeah. So yeah. the thing is that if the first reveal is in January, I could be like, oh, okay, they were planning on a marketing thing, but the coronavirus kind of shifted everything, right? But the yeah. fact that they initially revealed in September means that they, you know, they kind of had this plan all along of waiting months to uh, reveal stuff. It's very... Yeah, it's been six months and we just have like frequent images about this thing confirming that it exists, which is like super lame. Like, I, I don't know. Sometimes I like that the video game industry likes to be really secretive, but I also conversely really like that Bethesda two years ago just got on a stage and said like, Elder Scrolls 6, here's a JPEG. It's coming sometime. I don't know. It exists though. Starfield, here's a knee moving like intro to the title of the game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, the most anticipated for me, I, for, as far as Harry Potter goes, like I, I think that game that leaked a few years ago looked pretty cool. I just don't have any sort of vested interest in Harry Potter. I'm sure that game will probably be pretty cool, though. Uh, I like the books and the movies and all. If that it's stuff, good, it'll it's sell like, like gangbusters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not it my. It, it's not my favorite property in the world, so I, yeah. I'm not like super enthused about it. Um, and then so yeah, that leaves Rocksteady. The reason I'm so excited about Rocksteady is because I one I think they're like one of the most talented studios in the industry for sure. For sure. Yeah. But two, I have no earthly idea what they're making. And I know some people, and I've talked to some people, that would potentially know, and they don't know. Um, so I have no idea what's going on over there. And, uh, I, yeah, every, every time I've tried to question people who might know something about that, they have told me the same thing, that they have absolutely no idea and no one has told them a thing. So, and we keep hearing the super, Superman rumors, even though they have shot those down ten times over. So it's not the Superman game, I don't think. Um, yeah. Rocksteady, I have, I just have no idea what they're making. And whatever they're making, too, the other reason I guess I'm so excited about this to go on a little bit of a long, longer rant, it's been six years since they released a game. Yeah. So yeah. whatever they are working on is been in development for an extremely long time. I mean, I guess if you don't count Arkham VR, which came out in 16, I guess, 2016. Um, so other than that, they have not released a full-fledged AAA title in six years. We're now getting next to the console launch, the new console launch. So this is going to be a project that has been in development for six years, coming to next-gen platforms, you would imagine. I'm just really interested to see what it, what the heck they're making <laughs> because it's probably crazy ambitious and is going to be cool. My, my gut says it's probably something Justice League-related. My heart, which would it would totally never happen, I would love for it to be a Young Justice video game. Obviously, that'll never happen over a Justice League game, but like, oh, I would love if Rocksteady did a Young Justice game. Um, I just love that group of superheroes for DC. Uh, we're going to end this segment with two big questions. We've kind of talked about them. You know, I wanted to focus on the short term and long term repercussions. I think we kind of did that throughout, especially when you brought up talking about the manufacturing and how this will affect, you know, not necessarily E3 being canceled, but how the coronavirus and everything will affect the uh, launch of the next gen consoles. So, I guess there's not much else to go on. I guess final thoughts in terms of if you had to make a bet, do you think E3 returns next year or will we have to wait until their digital event and see what publishers work with them to get a better understanding? Like, where do you land on that in terms of it coming back in 2021? I think it comes back. 
depends. Do we live in a zombie apocalypse world this time next year, or what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's not going to happen. We'll bounce back from whatever the heck's going on in the country and in the larger world right now. Um, yeah, I think they'll be back. Like, I think the show will return. They're not going to let it die because of this virus or whatever. Like, that's... They're too stubborn, I think. I don't know. But again, if the economy tanks and, like... The ESA is not a large enough organization. I'm going to guess the ESA does not have deep enough pockets to really, like, go a year without three. Because that show makes them so much money, dude. Like, that is, like, and it's their primary source of revenue every year, too. Um, so for them to not hold that in a given year and not get that money flowing into that organization, uh, it's a pretty big deal. So um, I, I think they'll have it again next year, though, yeah. Yeah, Hopefully. I think it... I think it still happens, but uh, I think it's probably gimped. Uh, I don't know if that's a great term for this, but uh, okay, I think they try to get something together next year, but I think it just, you know, they don't get the buy-in that they need, and, you know, maybe, like, Microsoft isn't even involved at all or something, and, you know, it's kind of like there's not much in there type of deal, and then that ends up kind of being like the, all right, we gave it one last shot, and then maybe after that... Um, it, it ceases to exist but i don't i think that the name is you know it holds enough weight itself right just e3 like i don't even like pe- like people who don't know exactly what it is and like how it uh, is organized and stuff like that um you, a lot of people still know what e3 you know oh that's like in the summer when they announce all the video yeah. games i think well, the thing is it's bigger than name. the sa right like that title e3 is bigger than the sa and it's yeah. I think we're all in agreement that, like, obviously the ESA hasn't done a great job and it needs to figure things out, but we all can agree that the industry is better with it existing, like E3. Um, yeah, man, it, but, like, so I could have said the same thing about, like, Warp Tour, but apparently they don't want to do that anymore, so fuck, I don't know. <laughs> Weird analogy, but, you know, there's something there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> time to transition from that <laughs> uh so before we hop into what we've been playing i wanted to do a quick metacritic rundown of two big titles that are that are uh set to release or have already released and um just give what their aggregate on on metacritic and a quote i found that i thought is pretty indicative of what seems to be the overall average experience with the title so neo 2 uh, is currently sitting at an 86 on Metacritic, which is pretty solid. And I pulled a quote from Game Informer's review, and they said, quote, Neo 2, like Neo before it, is an unrelenting and extremely punishing ride that has you weighing every resource available. Despite some flaws, this experience carves you from an unrefined, button-mashing, flailing postule into a precision-striking samurai. Wow. So, so they insult you. <laughs> yes, they insult you with their review quote. Uh, I've never been a Neo guy. It just doesn't seem – I'm a From guy through and through. And it just – from what I've heard, it's like they do their best From impression, but it doesn't necessarily hit the same beats as a From game. Um, this game is a prequel to the first one. Uh, I'm assuming you haven't played it, Dom. Uh, and Logan, I'm assuming you haven't either. I tried to get into it actually earlier this year kind of when we had that lull. <clears throat> of uh, not a lot of games coming out. I was like, oh, I'll try Neo. And I played through like the first level and then I just didn't go back to it. Um, I love From games though, because similar to you, I love Souls type games. Um, so it's definitely something that I could see myself getting into. I just haven't like committed and played the first one, but I think the second one looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. my biggest uh, hold up with Neo was always, um, it's more of a, a, a 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's levels, right? There's strict levels, uh, and there's like a hub world or something. Um, so like you go and you go through a linearish type, you know, one level, and then that's the end of it, and then you come back to a hub world or something like that. I've not tried it myself, but that's what I understand. Whereas a, a from software game, um, you know, the biggest one of the biggest allures of it is the interconnected world. Um, and so, you know, you look at something like Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Yeah, it's also very challenging. Um, and there's a reward in, in beating a boss or whatever, but there's also a lot of reward in, you know, getting a shortcut back to an original area and getting to a new area and discovering the areas. Like, that is a big part of what makes those games really good. That, from what I understand, you know, the Neo games don't really have that. They're like, they have really good combat and like the challenge and all that is there, but like the level design isn't, uh, isn't the same kind of thing. So that's been my like hold up with it. Yeah. It's definitely one of those franchises I could see myself going to, like going back to like years from now, but I just have no immediate interest for it. Um, but it's good to see it's getting good reviews. And 86 is nothing to, you know, scoff yeah, at. That's, it's a really that's solid really aggregate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, something I've been personally playing the heck out of, and I was highly anticipating Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, it's currently sitting at a 90. Uh, on launch, it was at a 91. It's moved down a point because obviously that's how aggregates work with review scores. And uh, the the review quote I pulled is from Player2. And they said, quote, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is a wonder to behold, a joy to play, and a must-have for anyone with the means to play it. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is an Xbox exclusive for console. You can play it on PC. Neo 2 is a PlayStation 4 exclusive. So both exclusives are releasing this week. Um, before I want to, I want to say still on Neo that the first game eventually came to PC. I'm pretty confident. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe potentially the second one will also make its way to PC. Uh, not similar to, uh, or yeah, similar to Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, eventually coming to PC. Not, not a Sony published game, but, um, I don't know. Just, I, I just remembered that. Like, oh, yeah, Neo eventually did go to PC. Interesting. Okay. Neo actually is a Sony published game. Neo 2. Oh, shit. Okay. You, uh, yeah, yeah. it's really weird because uh, I didn't know about that until we went to try to put in, like, our review request stuff for it at DualShockers because oh. <clears throat> uh, Sony doesn't work with us over there at DualShockers. So I was like, all right, time to put in a request yeah, for Neo 2 with Koei Tecmo. And I went to see who the publisher was, and Sony actually published that one worldwide. Okay. <laughs> Except for in Japan, I think. I think Koei Tecmo still published it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know why they published that game. But Interesting. Sure. Hmm. So coming off of the Ori and the Will of the Wisps uh, Metacritic quote there, I wanted to give my impressions on the game. I'm about four hours in. Uh, we'll be hopping into, obviously, this is also the what have we been playing section. So I'll start with Ori and then talk about the other stuff. I absolutely love this game. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's everything I expected it to be. The art is incredible. Uh, their parallaxing backgrounds are, I think, some of the best in the industry. Like, just beautiful. For those unfamiliar, parallaxing is when you have multiple layers behind the foreground layer where you actually play the game on. And they move and they have their own animations. And they, you know, act and animate independently of one another. And it's pretty hard to do. It's not easy. And with the level of art quality that this game has is incredible. Moon Studios is a is a development house that works independently from one another. They don't have a centralized location. They actually do most of their communication through, you know, the internet. And they get these games completed, which is incredible in and of its own right to be able to do that remote work with other people and, you know, create something like this. 
music is impeccable. It's very orchestral. It it's very emotional. Um, there's I'm currently at a part where you have to get a well working again, like this giant like water mill kind of thing. And there's an escape sequence, very much like the escape sequence that's featured in Ori and the Blind Forest. And the music swells at the right moments of action and just it builds anxiety, but in a good way. Not like you're watching Uncut Gems. You know, it's like, oh, man, I need to accomplish this. It's giving you, like, very optimistic feelings inside. Uh, platforming is still solid. They've introduced some new combat mechanics that I've seen are hit or miss with people um, because it does make the game a little bit more combat-focused than platforming-focused, which I'm fine with. I appreciate that there's... You, you map your attacks in this game uh, this time around, and you can kind of fight with your own style so currently i have this like this heavy blow attack equipped and this bow and arrow attack equipped which is useful for traversing the world and i find myself getting in rough and tumble situations but you can kind of manipulate those button assignments for the moves to make it feel unique to the type of experience you want to have and they have a shard system in the game which you'll be familiar with this don because of how much you love uh Hollow Knight, it's kind of a similar system, right? There are these items you acquire, and each one gives you a benefit, but the drawback is you can only equip a certain amount of them at a time, right? And throughout mm -hmm. the game, you acquire more slots to be able to attach them, and you can upgrade those specific abilities. So this game is all about customizing your Ori experience. It's still as difficult as the first one, which I personally had no issue with. I knew there was a, a difficulty spike near the end of that game that people really had difficulties with, and it was kind of the point where... The point of no return for a lot of people, it's either they got past that and overcame that challenge, or they just thought it was too difficult and ditched the game entirely. Um, yeah, it's this game is everything I've wanted to be so far. The interesting new imp, uh, NPCs they introduced that some of them sell you maps, similar to Hollow Knight. This game seems like it was inspired heavily by Hollow Knight, if anything, um, Dom, and also the, the first title that came out. Uh, I'll have more opinions on it when I complete the game. I think it's around eight to ten hours. Currently, three and a half to four hours in. Loving it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick is the performance issues that were talked about upon the review embargo for this game. Obviously, I am not an official outlet, so I didn't get like an early review copy. Uh, so I played it the day it came out. There was a day one patch. Uh, I have seen no issues whatsoever, which is pretty incredible considering I still play on the OG Xbox One. I've never upgraded to the S or the X, so it's pretty neat that, you know, that original console, I'm not having any issues, because normally that's the one that sees the worst uh, case for performance issues, right, because it's the oldest uh, platform, but um, yeah, are either of you, have either of you played Ori, have an interest in it, do you plan on picking it up? Dude, I still gotta play the first one, I've heard a lot of good <laughs> stuff, but it's something I just never got to, so. It's on Switch, right, now, the first one? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah it is. Logan? Yeah, I played the first one. I really liked it. Um, it was really good. I played it, I think, a year and a half ago or so, um, finally. Um, yeah, and I really liked it, so I'm really excited for the second one. Um, nice. Speaking of the bugs and stuff like that, we did play it before launch at DualShockers. Our reviewer played it and definitely complained about a fair amount of things, uh, which is why our score ended up being a little bit lower than the aggregate because we had enough problems throughout our time with it that – our reviewer loved the game. He was going to score it, like, extremely high, and he's like, I just can't score it that high because it has so many bugs. And, like, I don't know. Uh, it didn't take anything away from his experience, but it's good to see that the day one patch really did apparently fix a lot of the issues that they were, um, <clears throat> that he was telling me about while he was playing through it. Um, it looks great. I'm 
busy with a lot of other games <laughs> yeah. at the moment, so I don't know when I'm going to get to it. I do have it downloaded. I downloaded it via Game Pass, so um, whenever I get the chance, I do actually really want to play it. Yeah. It's another I, Game Pass shout-out. Thank you, Uncle Phil. Yeah, talk yeah. about value. Uh, I don't want to be hyperbolic with this, but I do think it it'll definitely be in the art direction, that stuff for Game of the Year awards right at the end of the year. I do think with it refining a lot of those technical bugs it had, because you know, Dual Shockers isn't the only review outlet that docked it for this, and deservedly so, you know what I mean? But I do think by the end of the year it'll be in that conversation because it is so well-crafted. Um, it's just impressive what that studio for such a small group of people can do, like I said, remotely. Um, not to throw shade at other developers, but we see games of lesser quality come out with you know, hundreds of people in the same room. It's really impressive what they've been doing. Like, they said they have no want or desire to be acquired by Microsoft, and I completely support that Like, if they want to remain independent. But man, would that be a, would Moon Studios be a huge get for Microsoft? Even if they don't purchase them, I really hope that they've already kind of signed a deal to work on a third one. They're currently working on an ARPG that's their own in-house thing that supposedly is going to be their first AAA product. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But they released a real, a real solid game. You know, expectations are tough to meet a lot of the times. And for me, I love when, you know, people can meet those expectations. You know, so I'm just happy it turned out the way it did because I was really excited for Anthem and... Uh, <laughs> We all know how that went. Um, <laughs> other than Ori and the Will of the Wisps, the other things I've been playing, uh, real quick, shout out to Pokemon Sword and Shield. I, For all you Pokemon nerds out there, I finally bred my first shiny Pokemon for the first time. As somebody who's played the series the last 22 years, every every uh, generation, I've never caught or bred a shiny Pokemon. They're kind of... Un- I doubt either of you want to hear about the process of doing that, um, but they're very rare in Pokemon games, and I just never got around to trying to breed one or anything, but I finally did, and it was really cool to grind away. You guys know the feeling in RPGs, right? When you're trying to acquire a specific thing, and you have to grind for it, and you finally get it, and it's like a moment of relief, right? So that was really oh, cool. I'm not going to bite on the process, because you're probably right. I don't care too much about it, but <laughs> yeah. what, what exactly, I guess besides rarity, makes a shiny Pokemon? you know cool i guess what is it what does that uh, so mean to they have shiny? a unique they have a unique intro uh, intro animation when they, you throw them out onto the battlefield right it's like a sparkly type of really cool thing so it just looks cool and okay. for specific pokemon they have really cool alternate coloring some of them they're awful like shiny pikachu is just a slightly more orangey yellow color oh, so it's like what the hell's okay. the point shiny charizard so is... is black like a black charizard is dope okay. right so, so it's, it's a like... version of existing pokemon okay exactly yeah and you breed for them or you can try to encounter them in the wild and they're kind of rare. Anyways, that being said with the Pokemon talk. The other things I've been playing is a whole ton of Apex Legends. They have their special Deja Loot event going on, which has a set circle location and item spawns. Um, it's just like a little tiny unique event with skins uh, changing up the gameplay a little bit. Um, nothing too much to say there. Apex is great. It remains to be great. Uh, and I hopped into Call of Duty Warzone. So those who are listening, if you're familiar, Call of Duty kind of shadow dropped or shadow announced rather their new Battle Royale platform, it seems like. They had Call of Duty Blackout for Black Ops 4 that was tied to that specific game title. This seems more like its own independent product at this point. It's free to play. 
if you already owned Call of Duty Modern Warfare, it was a 20 to 30 gig download. If you didn't, it was 80 to 100 gigs for a free-to-play game, which is ludicrous. But, you know, all of those assets and everything, and they probably want to pull you over to buying the real, full retail copy of Modern Warfare. Has someone um, done that test? Like, are you actually downloading the entirety of Modern Warfare with the just if you just were downloading the Battle Royale? Do we know? I, I don't know, but I mean, the assumption there is I already own Modern Warfare. I'm down, downloading 20 gigs, right? You don't own Modern Warfare. You're downloading 100 gigs. What's the discrepancy? You'd assume it'd be the full game, right? So, like, if you were then to go and buy Modern Warfare after downloading the. Uh... Uh, the battle royale i keep on forgetting the name because it sounds so similar warzone. then presumably warzone presumably you wouldn't have to download modern warfare you would already have it right yeah that's kind of annoying but whatever <laughs> so it's 150 players call of duty gameplay as you'd expect uh high quality uh the interesting thing with warzone in relation to other battle royales like fortnite and apex legends is that when you die you get sent to this area called the gulag which is a small little 1v1 map where Whoever wins, whoever kills the other one, gets respawned back into the match, which is really Whoa. cool. So you kind of have a second chance. Uh, they they said that they're planning to have solo duo modes introduced later on. At this point, it's currently squads of three, 50 squads of three. And so say, for instance, me, you, and Logan are playing, right? And Logan dies, right? Ugh, got shot by a shotgun or something. I don't know. Logan goes to the gulag. And he spawns with a random weapon. The other person spawns with the same weapon. It could be a pistol, like a automatic, could be a revolver, whatever. If he kills that person, he spawns again, and he gets to come down over us. Like, he comes down on his parachute. He can obviously decide to go anywhere he wants, but it spawns him above relatively where his teammates are. And you get one respawn like that if you're able to kill the other person. It's very interesting because... You can strategically play situations in a way where you can sacrifice people because you know they have a chance to come back, right? So you kind of save the squad for the life of one of them in hopes that they respawn with the gulag, right? So let's so you play just get situations like one? a little bit. Not one for the group. No, it's one individually for each of you. Okay. So me, you, Logan are in a firefight. You get shot down or you're getting in a firefight, right? And Logan and I are kind of far away from you. Instead of going in there when we see it's going to be a big team brawl and we already have a disadvantage, we can kind of decide, like, hey, just go to the gulag. Me and him will get to safety. When you get to the gulag, hopefully you win. You can spawn above us away from the noise, right? So it changes up strategy a little bit there. Obviously, you don't want to sacrifice your players but, all the time. But but so if I died again, I don't get another gulag chance, do no, I? No. No. Okay, okay. You only get That's it once. So the next time that happens, that means that we don't want you to be in the forefront of the fighting. Me and Logan would rather be there because we have that respawn, right? Uh, when it gets down to the last two people, whoever get, kills the other person wins. There's no gulag. You can't you know, respawn when there's no other opponents. Um, yeah, the map is a little big. I know it's 150 players, but it still feels a little big. And the TTK, which is time to kill in Call of Duty, is super quick. So it can feel dissatisfying sometimes where you get in a match, you die, you get to the gulag, you respawn, you die again. So it's like, God, you know, it's 150 players too. So this isn't the 15 to 20 minute matches of Apex Legends. This is like 35 minutes for one single match, right? Uh, which is kind of Well, and this curious. gulag is going to extend the game, of course, right? So it's even longer with that. Yeah. The cool thing though, uh, real quick, is that one of the big parts of Call of Duty is the loadouts that you create for yourself, right? 
you can earn those in the match. So instead of other battle royales where you're stuck to all of the loot you find or you pick up off of people you kill, there's a point where you can get a, a, a loadout drop where you go up to the box, you uh, acquire it, and you choose one of your loadouts and you get all of that stuff, which is really cool. Because then there's a comfort level there. Like you survive enough with this random stuff, you can get the loadout that gives you the highest possibility to win because you're used to using all of that stuff, right? So um, it's, I don't know if it's going to be a battle royale I stick with. I still prefer Apex Legends because it just respawns so good at that tight knit gameplay and it just, 60 players feels right to me for a BR because I can get in and get out. But it is interesting and I probably will play it some more. I just don't know if it'll be my BR moving forward or not. We'll see. Um, that's all for me, folks. What about you two? What have you guys been playing? So, uh, I'm quick. I've just been playing a lot more Death Stranding, which I've talked about a lot in the past few weeks. Um, but eh, I'm much farther along. I think I'm probably two-thirds of the way through the story, at least. Uh, man, like, the third chapter, or I think they call it episodes, was so incredibly long. Like, the first two were, like, you know more like what you'd expect from a chapter in a, in a linear or a story-based game and then this third episode was just like i, I must have been in that thing for like 20 hours or something like episode um, three is a drag episode three and episode five i think are the worst in the whole game yeah and then and then yeah four was like one quick you know kind of hallucinatory cutscene almost which was interesting and yeah so now i'm like uh just wrapping up five and I, i'm less involved uh as it's progressed the gameplay is like kind of like uh kind of wearing on me it's not as interesting so much anymore but i'm way interested in the story now and i'm kind of like the introduction introduction to the whole kojima-ness of it is uh i'm past that i'm into it now and i'm fully like okay i need to finish i need to figure out what the hell is going on and how this is going to play out um i'm like fully invested in what the fuck they set up it's really really bizarre and cool um and i'm really into it but yeah the gameplay is like they started to introduce new mechanics like not long ago. It's like, oh, there's zip lines, and I'm like, eh, I don't really, I don't really care. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I like the way I've been traveling and this and that. So uh, it's still you'll good. Appreciate the zi- you'll appreciate the zip lines more later. Trust me. But, I might uh, need to. I might need the to journey try. gets a little ridiculous, and if people have set up zip lines for you, you will be saying prayers to whatever their PSN name is that pops up next <laughs> to the zip line they built. I've had it, how many yeah, chapters during few- this game? I think 13 okay yeah. so you, he's yeah. like you're like relatively halfway kind of he's he's over he's probably halfway or over yeah okay. the last like four go pretty quickly right so yeah that's what i've heard that there's uh, like the last like 10 hours of the game is like 80 percent cutscenes or something silly like that yeah um, i think it's really kojimified towards the end <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I probably need to actually go back and try out a, a zip line because i just like they introduced it and i'm like that's i don't really get it I'm not going to take the time right now. And I went on a really long uh, order instead, which I maybe I didn't need to do because <laughs> maybe I could have, should have took that zip line. But um, I got a great achievement after that order of like, you know, it was <clears throat> deliver something that's at least however long, 80 kilometers or something. Uh, oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, the gameplay is still good. Um, I still enjoy delivering shit and <laughs> traversing more than I ever could have thought I would. Um, but yeah, it's mostly the story that's got me fully in, and I'm I'm pumped to see it through. But other than that, nothing, no new and exciting games that I've been into. Just a lot of, a lot of Norman Reedus grunting as he climbs <laughs> mountains. God, 
You could just say that sentence, and we wouldn't know if you were playing Death Stranding or watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> oh! Norman Reedus grunting. There was a patch that they just put out uh, lately where you can skip the some of those cutscenes where, like, every time you oh, yeah, yeah. take a shit or take a shower or do anything in the game, there's a cool animation, and it's cool the first couple times, but then eventually... You're like, I don't need to see the same thing play out every time. And it's like 10 seconds or 20 seconds long to watch him take a shit with the Norman Reedus ride ad or whatever. But now you can skip all those. So that's great. <laughs> wow. Uh, Logan, is there anything you can talk about that you've been playing? Um, I'm pretty sure I can say what I've been playing. So I can't go into deep thoughts on any of these. But I'm playing Doom Eternal right now. Um, so I'll have a review up for that on DualShockers. Um, I'm also helping with coverage for Persona 5 Royale for us, so I'm Ooh. playing that as well right now. Um, <clears throat> so those are the two things I'm kind of actively playing right now. In addition to, I guess the only thing else I can talk about is League of Legends is the constant video game oh in my gosh. diet nowadays. <laughs> uh, I'm about to get back to silver rank out of bronze, the pits of bronze, so... Uh, League is actually, I will say one positive thing about League, I know nobody probably wants to hear about any of this at all, so I'll keep this extremely short. They've introduced something this year called Clash, which is like a tournament format to the game, where you can get together with four other friends and do 5v5 tournaments. So you will basically log into, um, set a team up, get a group of five people in there, you will hop into a tournament bracket, which is either 16 or 8 teams, and they, they only do this on weekends, so it runs on random weekends, I think once a month. So on Saturdays and Sundays, once a month, they will do this clash thing where you sign in at like 8 p.m. or something like that. You all get in there, and then you're in a tournament. And then uh, you play three or four games in the pursuit of trying to win the tournament, and it is really high stakes, and it is really fun. Uh, I got together with four random people last time they did it, and we actually won our bracket. And that was one of the most accomplished video game feelings I have <laughs> probably had since i don't know whatever the last from soft game came out secure i guess and smile yeah i was that was that was extremely satisfying winning that bracket or uh, and, uh genichiro yeah. that was the secure boss that everyone had yeah <laughs> yes yeah any of those secure bosses yeah there's yeah, several probably uh that was an extreme that was like one of the most satisfying like vindictive gaming moment feelings i've had in probably a year or so of playing games so like even though that game is a cesspool of toxicity and hatred and anger <laughs> and uh, a huge waste of time more often than not, I will say that that aspect of the game that they have added this year has actually been extremely cool, has promoted actual competitive play on, like, a average person level and uh, has just been, like, largely really fun. The other cool thing about it is, like, you get to scout the people you're playing against for, like, three to five minutes before you go into a draft lobby and pick the characters that you're going to use. So it'll give you like a readout of like, here's this person here is their mastery level with here are their five best champions. Here are the champions they've been spamming today. And then here are the champions that they have previously used in the tournament formats. So it like gives you a good idea of what they're going to potentially play so that you either then know how to counter it with something you can play or you can just decide to ban it and say, I don't want, I don't want to play against this. So we will ban this champion out of the pool. It's really fun actually. And it, it's, uh, that'd be a neat feature game, to come to hero shooters. It'd be really cool. Yeah, it really would. It's uh, like, I, I've seriously been impressed with how much, uh, it's really not complex, but it's really just like made me genuinely excited to like play league. Um, even though a lot of times I just casually roll onto my computer and play it because I've got nothing else to do. Uh, that has actually made me genuinely like 
I've looked forward to those. I think they're doing another one this weekend, potentially. So I need to get five friends together so we can try to run some people over. Man, that's, Real quick, that's pretty this... cool. Like, happy for you, for one, for having that moment. But that's <laughs> it's refreshing to uh, hear something like that about League of Legends. I'm really far removed. I don't know anything about it. But it seems like uh, I only hear, like, you know, bad shit. Uh, like, bad shit about, like, oh. how things go, around, go work at, at Riot. Or, like, everyone seems yeah. to hate the game who plays it <laughs> oh it's a know. terrible video game and i wish i had never started playing it okay. trust me if i could go back in time and not have started playing it yeah that would have been a good decision <laughs> okay uh, but now i that i am deeply not i'm way too deep in this ecosystem uh when they add things like that that are beneficial to the game like i do appreciate them so i tried the game for like a two-week period because i have a good group of friends that are really into it and i want to preface this by saying i'm not diminishing the skill of what i'm about to say it's not that but I just couldn't get into clicking to do stuff, right? It's just not the way I like to play games because obviously your moves are based on hitting buttons and clicking. And I know some people yeah. kind of poise that, like, disinterest is like, all you're doing is clicking. Obviously, I know there's skill to it. That's not what I'm saying. It just wasn't the way I like to play video games, right? Yeah. And But it did introduce me to MOBAs, and then I got really into Smite. And Smite is a MOBA, but it's more action-based, and you have kind of free-range use of your moves and use, uh, you know... Uh, it's different. Um, the thing I will say, the, I want to ask you, a qu excuse me, a question. This won't matter to me. I likely won't know who you're talking about. But if somebody is listening and they do like League of Legends, they'd probably be curious as to who your main is. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know if I've... Huh. I get into, like, really different champs for, like, certain periods of times, and then I bounce off. My main role is jungle, so I'm, like, a jungler by trade, and I'm bad at everything else. The one thing I have been doing recently, though, is that we can go into... When you get into a lobby, you can obviously select what role you're wanting to queue up for and play. A lot, a lot like, within the past, like, three to four months that I've been playing, I've just been queuing up for fill, which will just fill you into a role. Um, so I've been trying to kind of play a little bit of everything so that I can get a little better at all the roles and that's been actually that's actually breathed some life into it because if you play the same role and the same champions constantly you will start to hate your life um even in the champions that i like a lot um i just can't play like more than five games in a row with them maybe or something like that uh that said if i'm going to name some champions that i play a lot uh i started out as a pantheon main and then i got probably really into warwick um and then I'd say recently, like this season, I've been spamming a lot of Lee Sin. And then I've been spamming a lot of Set as well. Set is actually a new character that they just released in uh, January. And he basically looks like a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure character. And, oh, nice. Uh, he's, pretty, he's pretty cool. Um, so I've been spamming him a lot this year, mainly because, mainly because he's really good right now. Like whenever they bring new champions out, uh, typically one of two things will happen one they'll come out and they'll be way too overpowered and riot will need to quickly nerf them because they are <laughs> like the balance is just way off and so they'll need to quickly nerf them or they'll come out and their win rates will be extremely low because no one will know how to play with them or use their skills yet so the win rates will be really low because no one knows what to do and then they will buff them even though they don't technically need buffs it's just that no one knows how to play with it yet uh, and then that's when champions get scary in that game is when champions that are already not properly balanced then get buffed their stats buffed even more even though their stats weren't the problem it was more user error um, 
and then that's when you get champions that are busted. A long story short, Set, that character I've been playing a lot, he's uh, kind of busted right now. So The interesting thing is with Smite, uh, obviously in relation to League of Legends, is playing that game. I fell off it, obviously, but I had this weird thought in mind of like, if they were to do a game like Smite, but it was licensed with Marvel and you could use like superheroes, I would be terrified that that game exists because I probably would spend too much time playing it, right? Uh, just yeah. because I love the gameplay and the way Smite's set up, I just don't really, you know, it's whatever. But if it had Marvel characters and I was leveling up Marvel characters and getting like specific skins for them, like that's my rabbit hole. That's my Warcraft League of Legends rabbit hole is like a third person action MOBA, but with uh, DC or Marvel heroes. Ugh, I'd be finished. I'm glad that game doesn't exist. Um, I guess, like, the one thing I will say about League and, like, MOBAs in general is, like, they are very... The thing that keeps me coming back is just, like, they're extremely strategic. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because I usually don't like strategy games, games that prompt me to think and be, like, focus solely on this and nothing else. But, like, when I get really into the zone with that game, specifically, like, with those tournament-style matches where, like, everything you're doing, you're trying to make sure you do very specific and you're shot calling and telling everybody else what they need to do and you're all trying to be on the same page like there are so many things that you have to keep track of in that game that any single moment it's like that for any moba one well, there are so many good things at it, you have to do <laughs> you know, if, if you're good at it yeah. it yeah yeah like the 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 level of entry is very low because the at the very end of the day the qualification to win is blow up the other team's base but the way in which you can get there is like there are so many routes and it, it there's so much depth to what you can do in those games sort of i mean at the end of the day like i said it all just boiled down to oh i killed some minions and i hit a tower and blah 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 blah. but like the way i got into league in the first place was i started watching the pro games and when i saw how much depth there was of the game based on the pro matches i was like okay this is really cool and then i of course i get in and i'm playing with low level people and none of them know what to do when it <laughs> it's maddening well, but with smite yeah. one of the cool things it's obviously similar because it's a MOBA. I love finding your role, right, and finding what works for you and what you're good at. And then in, inside of that, finding the characters that work in that role that you're best with. And yeah. obviously being versatile and being able to host, like, many roles and be confident at it is solid. And I, it, it's just really cool when you get a team together, especially with friends, which is very hard to do, obviously. And everyone has their specified role, and you guys can just run through teams. Yep. That's why I said, like, I found, a, like, a gameplay style and, like, mechanics and everything with MOBAs that I love, especially with Smite that feeds my specific type of uh, personality when it comes to the games I want to play. That's why, like, I'm terrified. Like, my dream game is a Marvel or DC game of that, but I'm terrified of the amount of hours I'll lose to it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for episode 181. Uh, I didn't want to keep you too long, Logan. Thank you for joining us. It's been too long. We're not going to wait that long again yeah. for you to come back. Uh, but you're for a busy sure. boy, so we got to fit yeah. you in when we can. Anyways, before we head out, please let the people know where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find – sorry, that's a cough. You can find me over on Twitter. Um, I am at moreman12 on Twitter if you want to go follow me over there. If you want to keep up with my work, uh, like I said before, you can find it all over at DualShockers. Be sure to follow us there on Twitter as well at DualShockers. And all my content goes up on DualShockers.com with everything I'm doing nowadays. It's all localized entirely there. No other side projects anymore to pimp. So. And look out for uh, his reviews, uh, the Persona f uh, 5 Royale, which he's helping on, and the Doom Eternal review. When did you say those yeah. are dropping? Tentatively. Um, <laughs> I don't think I can say with Persona. Doom, I'm pretty sure. This goes live a few days. Yeah, Doom goes live Tuesday. 
Okay. Nice. Yeah, this doesn't post till Sunday. Tuesday. So you're good. Yeah. Yeah. The embargo rules are weird. I think I can <laughs> publicly disclose that as of a day that this will be out. So some yeah, of the review Tuesday copies I've gotten, it's just like you have to read through it carefully and then you have to like double read and it's like, okay, make sure yeah. this and then this and okay, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can say yeah. I got the game, but I can't say I'm playing it until this day. And then I can say that, you know, it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, uh, like, it's like I think I can announce that I'm playing <laughs> it and that I have it, like, tomorrow. But I also have to keep all of my profiles hidden on the consoles that I'm playing about. Oh, yeah. Sure. Co- stuff like that. Yeah. It's, like, it's kind of odd. Um, anyways, definitely go follow Logan. They're doing some really cool stuff at DualShockers. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a shame it's been this long for you to get on the podcast. It's like... Uh, for those who don't know, obviously Blessing has been a guest on the podcast and he recently got hired by Kind of Funny, which is dope. But it was so funny because he hadn't been on the podcast for a while and I was like, I was talking to him. It had to be like a month before he got hired, Logan. And I was like, yeah, we yeah. can have you on in, in you know, the next couple of weeks. And obviously he can't say anything. So he was like, yeah, I can't mm-hmm. wait, yada, yada, yada. And then once it happened, he messaged me. He's like, sorry, I couldn't say anything, man. But <laughs> it was really funny how that played out, you know. But That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to have you back on. Uh, we want to try to get you on uh, for whatever happens this summer, <laughs> whether it's E3, uh, whatever, whatever. We'll figure it out because you've been on the, our E3 stuff in the past. Obviously, it's going to be a very busy yeah. time for you, but we'll we'll work it out somehow, some way. Uh, you'll be involved with us over here. Thank you again for joining us. We appreciate you guesting. For those listening, if you want to follow us, go over to iTunes, search controlled interest will pop up. Like I mentioned last week, we're finally on Spotify. Boy, howdy, does that Spotify uh you know acceptance take quite a bit for them to go through it and figure it out and all of that but finally went up so that's dope well oh, they came if you they want. sent a spotify representative to my house to validate that i was a real person <laughs> jesus um, uh, that, no i'm obviously joking yeah, they didn't cough right and shake hands especially in today's age <laughs> um yeah so head over to spotify and search controlled interest will pop up there as well if you go to youtube and type in our name we'll pop up Subscribe, hit the bell notification because YouTube sub boxes are f- very fickle. Like a week ago, there was a YouTube error where people were missing their entire sub box, so nothing was appearing. So the bell notification will send you an email letting you know we uploaded the newest podcast. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. You can follow Logan, like you said, at MoreMan12. Odd not saying Jordan's handle, but for the heck of it, you can follow Jordan, who's no longer a co host of the <laughs> podcast, at Malamotus. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next week with hopefully another guest. See you guys then.